excited for my next guest to join me, a longtime friend, uh, Cesar Fernandez of Converge GPS. Uh, I have known him since he was a, uh, I've known him as a Democratic staffer uh, and also as a lobbyist for Uber. Uh, He had a big hand in uh, Mayor Rick Kreisman's uh, election, and I got to know him there, got to know him while he was working on Charlie Crist's campaign. Good friend of mine. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Um, have you left your condo since? <laughs> yeah, I have not left uh, my condo since March 15th. Uh, that was the day I started my quarantine here. Now, are you just being difficult with that? Like, are you like, are you like, you know, is this like a playoff beard at this point that you're just not leaving the condo or uh, what's the like? And some people explained to me, they said, hey, listen. If you're in a 40-story condo in New York City, uh, and you're obviously in Miami, but if you're in a tall condo, you don't want to be pressing buttons. You don't want to get into an elevator with somebody. So yeah, you're you're going to be stuck there. But is there is there an additional reason why uh, you're uh, maintaining such a strong streak at this point? Yeah, there's a kind of all of the above, right? There's a little bit of what you just mentioned, but also I'm fortunate enough to be uh, married to someone with a master's in medical sciences who's currently in dental school and will be a doctor in two years. So um, I'm, I'm extra aware of the science aspect of COVID-19 and just really playing it safe here. Oh, so you're, you're one of those people who listens to doctors and scientists. Is, yes. is, that, is that what you're saying? All right, well, yeah. see, this, this is not that podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, for the uh, for those who don't know you, tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, when there isn't a pandemic. Sure, uh, I'm a senior government affairs advisor at, at Converge, uh, a government and public affairs firm here in Florida, and you know I help govern, you know, help companies navigate government, um, mostly in the in the tech space. Um, given my background, as you mentioned on the in front of the program, but. Um, you know, lobby state, the state legislature, the, the executive branch to an extent and, and really help uh, companies navigate government. You got a, you got a, I don't know, like a interesting team. I've, I've complimented the team before. It's some of my, uh, it's good friends, but you got, you know, Jonathan Kilman. Um, you got El Natan, who I spoke with today. I, I told El Natan, um, I said, buddy, you need to start. You, this is your time. Uh, you are the text master uh, on politics, and every campaign, uh, if they can't walk door to door, is going to need new ways to reach out to people. So let's get the word out about your services. I know a lot of people already use them, but he is going to be he is going to be in high demand um, come July, August, September. Um, you got Nancy Teixeira there. You got Ben Polaire. It's a it's a it's a uh, it's an all-star team. I mean, it's like the it's like the the Lakers when they had Gary Payton and Carl Malone and Kobe and Shaq, and you know, it's just just a whole team. Yeah, that, that, that's really kind, of Peter. Thank you. Uh, all right, so let me ask you the questions that I've asked everybody else. Obviously, you're you, I, I know you you're getting some good info, but when did coronavirus? get real for you? What was it that you read or saw or were told where you're like, wait a second, this could be a, a 9-11 uh, 
level event for our country and if not the world? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. Like, I, I'm not, I don't pretend to be one of these people that, you know, saw it coming before anybody else and was like shouting at the top of, you know, towers about how we need to take this real in January or anything like that. But, you know, for, for me, I think it was um, very real about mid-February, you know, some, somewhere around mid, even mid to late February, I think February 21st, the stock market saw a really steep decline. And for me, that was the first sign that American companies were bracing for a disruption in commerce. And that was just going to affect uh, the lives of, of a lot of people in our country. Um, you know, before that, for me, it was something that that was a little bit distant, more international um, in nature. We saw a lot of, you know, you know, obviously early cases in China and and um, in Italy and other countries like that. But I think February 18th through the 21st, when we started seeing some, some major stock market declines, was when it got you know very real for me. You uh, were you just over in Italy within the last year, if I remember correctly. No, Is that where you, did you honeymoon there, or am I thinking of somebody else? I'm sorry. We did. Uh, that that was a couple of years, you know, three years ago. Um, I I actually was just in Europe. But, you know, in December we went to London and and uh, Amsterdam, but not Italy. Let me ask you: When would you when would you feel comfortable to be back over there? Like. Michelle and I and Ella have a, a trip planned for the first week or two in uh, in in June, um, and I got to tell you, I mean, I knew the Disney cruises were going to go out the window uh, for the foreseeable future. I'm 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 trying to get a sense of, you know, will let let's assume that the the modeling stays where it's at right now, where it dissipates, but there's no vaccine, um, you know, that it kind of that we stay on the track that we're currently on. Uh, uh, am I crazy for wanting to go there? Or would you go? I mean, when's the next time you'll be there? Yeah. So I, I was actually talking about this with my wife, Aileen, uh, today. I think, you know, cause we have some, some trips that we were planning and some weddings overseas and, and stuff like that. And, you know, for, for us, I, I really think travel like elective travel is the last step. Um, I, I probably, and not anticipating to travel internationally, you know, uh, until the the curve is essentially like completely flattened, and we have like a, a, a you know week over week over week of declines in the, the number of COVID related, um, you know, not just deaths but hospitalizations, um, because there's you know I think a lot of the data um, is is confusing to some, but if we get very good at treatment, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the virus has completely, um, you know, left society in a lot of places. Um, but we'll see a reduction in death. So for me, I think to answer your question, um, yeah, I, I'm mentally preparing to not travel for the rest of 2020. You know, I, you bring up a good point about the treatment part. Like everybody's clamoring for the testing part too. And I'm just like, you know, like even if we get everybody tested, we still don't have a trace program really, you know, in place like the way South Korea did, you know, we don't have that. We don't have the rules in place, you know, that we, we have not agreed that we are going to um, lock down 
uh, older people or nursing homes or ALFs beyond the current order going forward. Like I, I tried to, I'm struggling. I don't know if you read the piece I wrote today, but it's basically, I think Ron DeSantis and maybe Florida itself is winning the pandemic battle, but he's losing the communications war. And it's basically an argument that yes, the death rate is not as horrible as we thought it was going to be. It's probably going to be one nine and a half or one and a half nine elevens as opposed to two or three, which is still a horrible loss of life. So we we definitely need to start thinking about when we and how we reopen the economy. And I think you're just going to have to I think you're going to have to extend this lockdown on ALFs and nursing homes until, you know, deep into summer at the very least. Um, And I, I also would make the argument, I just don't think you can reopen the schools. I don't think as a parent. I don't think I'm going to say, all right, May 4th, the schools are back open. Let me go throw Ella Joyce in with three or 400 other people. Um, I just I just am not going to do that. And so is it worth doing that for one and a half or two weeks worth of school? Um, and so I, I, I just don't see it there. Let me ask you a fun question. What was your last normal day like? Um, well, I. First, I'll say back back to the, the schools, Peter. Like you know, that that's something deeply personal to me. My mom's a public school teacher, and you know um, we're fortunate enough to to represent the, the Florida Education Association, you know, 160,000 education professionals in, in the state of Florida. Um, and you know, it, it's 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 something that it the the amount of social interactions in public schools. You know, people obviously think about the classroom, but also you know faculty meetings and, and you know, meetings with guidance counselors and, you know, things that we just are outside of the classroom yet still require a lot of face-to-face interaction. I mean, um, is, is, you know, we, we can talk about this forever, but it's, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it is the, the absolute worst time to start thinking about reopening schools, especially there's not a whole lot of time left in the school year. And the state has done a very good job in working with school districts to shift um, you know, everything online and, and you know, get uh, laptops in the hands of people that need them and uh, working with um, internet providers to, you know, provide free internet uh, for those that, that, you know, aren't fortunate enough to be able to afford Wi-Fi, et cetera. So, I, you know, I do think that, um, that that's the right call. But, um, yeah, back to, to, to your question. I mean, um, the last normal day, I would say is March 15th. Um, I flew back from Tallahassee, uh, which was the, the, the soft end to the legislative session. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, you know, came home and, and, and you know, started hunkering down. I, I really haven't left, um, and started getting, uh, everything, you know, delivered and, you know, taking those precautions. But Mar- March 15th was really the, the last real day. Cause I'm typically a social person. I like to, to, yeah, out of the house a lot. So it's been a bit of a shift for me. What is Miami like right now? I mean, from your perch, I know it's, I know you're not down on the street or anything like that, but I can't even imagine, uh, you know, a, a, a throbbing city like that, an area um, under, you know, this kind of lockdown. Yeah. And, and particularly a, a community where so much of the workforce is centered around hospitality, tourism, uh, travel. And you have major corporate headquarters um, here, uh, be that cruise lines or, or American Airlines has a massive hub here. 
um, you know, the, ho- the, the hotel and hospitality workers, the health, the, the, um, you know, the, the restaurant workers. I mean, um, it is, uh, I think from, from an economic standpoint, it's, it's quite disrupted. Um, and you know, there's not really good county specific unemployment data, but I would imagine, uh, you know, it has to be higher than the average here in Miami-Dade County. Um, all right. So since you have been hunkered down now for almost a month, you're, and I will say you're just like me, like I, I, I think I, I mean, I have avoided the I told you so's, but I definitely know that I started hunkering down much, much earlier than everybody else. I think I'm on like week six, actually, of hunkering down. Um, and so, you know, you, you kind of got your routines down. Like, I don't even, I don't even remember uh, what it was like not to be hunkered down at this point. Um, what, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is we've been asking people to share some recommendations on things that they're watching or reading, apps, games, puzzles, what have you. Um, what are you doing to get by and uh, share those recommendations with the audience? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, a, a couple of things. One, for sure, I've been reconnecting with old friends. Um, I've been just trying to have a regular you know, pace of talking to the folks that I haven't talked to um, in a long time in my life, either friends from high school or you know, uh, colleagues, uh, in the tech industry from Uber that I haven't talked to in a while that are now in other companies doing great things. And, um, and I've just really tried to, to reconnect, um, now that we all live a little bit less, uh, busy lives for the most part. Um, the second thing I've been really trying to do is to, you know, help those that, that need it the most right now. You know, I, I've been, um, fortunate enough to not have a big disruption in, in, you know, in my life, right? You know, our, our clients are, are still paying us. You know, my, my wife is uh, doing online school. My, my parents are employed and no one in our family has you know, lost their job. But um, we are, we have to kind of take a step back and realize that um, especially those that work in politics, that work in, um, you know, the, the lobbying uh industry, we have a information advantage. We're, we're really privileged to know how government works. Mm-hmm. I'm where people are as scared and uh, confused in how to navigate government as ever. And I've been just reaching out to, to folks, whether that's helping my you know in-laws with their disaster loan application or suggesting to friends that they reach out to their legislative offices because they can get know, faster results uh, in terms of fielding unemployment related questions than if they were to just call the agencies directly, et cetera. So I've been just trying to, to, to use that information advantage to, to good right now. That's a, I, I, I have talked about it in previous pods. I'm like, hey, listen, 99% of the people you see out there, they don't have a subscription to the Washington Post. Um, you know, most of the information they're getting is from television news, whether it be from Fox or CNN, whatever. But they have no idea. And I'm not, this isn't to criticize them, but like, you know, this is more like, hey, they don't know where Wuhan, China is. I didn't know where Wuhan, China was before all of this went down. I mean, nobody knew or no one that I knew had ever mentioned Wuhan, China. They didn't know that it's a city of 11 million people, bigger than any city in the United States. Um, 
you know, I don't think many people knew about Dr. Fauci or, you know, Dr. Bricks or um, any of that stuff. They, you know, you're also asking people to understand basic medical and biological concepts, you know, viruses and so forth, which, you know, not everybody has the advantage of that. And I do think that, you know, there's been a failure on some political leaders' parts, um, both federal, state, national. Like, I wish we had, I wish there was like a 30-minute infomercial running, you know, let me explain what a coronavirus is. Um, let me explain why, you know, why are you washing your hands? What is, how that breaks down the, I think it's the protein that's around the virus and so forth. Um, you know, not everybody has, it just, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Not only do most people not have that, you and I, and the people probably listening to this podcast, um, you know, we can call up different government officials and get answers. I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised at how my neighbors like people that i i talk to all the time about other stuff they they are they're like asking questions they're like and it's like smart people that they know a lot about a bunch of other stuff they're consultants for companies and things like that and they've been like hey no i i don't talk to jane caster so i don't like i remember a lot of people were asking me like on next door in our facebook you know neighborhood app you know just for what does this mean about the stay at home order? And so I think you're right. Like people like yourself, others, people that are listening to this, we do have a little bit of a responsibility here to, to share what we know, what we're getting, you know, this is, this is, uh, this information's coming down. Um, all right, man. Well, I know that I can basically reach you and have you back on this podcast whenever I want because you're hunkering down so well. Um, but that's saving lives and I appreciate it you know, best to you and yours and, you know, the whole team at Converge. And I hope to see you remember, I think the was the last, did I see you in Tallahassee last or was it Miami? Cause I know it's down there for the debate. Yeah. I think Tallahassee. Was it Tallahassee? Okay. Well, I hope to see you again soon. And um, you stay safe. Yeah. Peter, th thanks a lot. And last thing I'll say is, you know, I think we, we all need to really be optimistic at this point. Um, I am particularly, you know, just, Floored by the response of just really the acts of selflessness that we've seen a lot. You know, uh, my good friend Pagin Hanrahan, the former mayor of Gainesville, has mobilized an army of people in the UF medical community and community at large to, you know, make masks for those that need it. You've seen like the tech industry step up and companies like Modern Health have been, you know, really pushing for free mental health counseling for overworked essential workers and just a, a number of really, um, awesome acts of selflessness that we've seen and it, it's really fueled my optimism and I hope that that people can can kind of feel the same way so I, I just wanted to get that in there as, as we leave and, and I really appreciate uh, you having me on the on the pod absolutely I appreciate that last note okay man I'll talk to you later have a good one. Bye.